Welcome to your personal growth, personal brand podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Biernan. I interview grow getters just like you who overcome adversity, thirst for progress, and have a powerful message to share. You'll see how personal growth means getting a handle on your past and why your personal brand is the key to your future. What's going on, grow getters? Today I'm joined by Diana Meyer. She is the 2021 Mrs. New York America. Diana, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm honored, honored to be here. You got it. Now we connected actually at a an event, a ribbon cutting, and I was like, "Oh wow, they got some real celebrities here!" Um, <laughs> and so it was it was really cool to see you all all bedazzled and glitzed up, and then just kind of helping uh, with this grand opening for the the gym that we were at. And I I thought it was really fascinating the work that you've gotten to do since being a part of this pageant. So let's, for those maybe who don't have any idea about, uh, you know, Mrs. New York America or the American or the American pageant, all this stuff, can you kind of give us the broad overview? What What is this? Yes, it has opened doors for sure. And the Mrs. America pageant is the longest standing pageant for married women, wom- women, and it's the most prestigious pageant as well. It was created about 50 years ago by David and Elaine Marmel to provide opportunities for married women, really at the end of the day, to empower them and their families. And not many people realize that there is a pageant for married women. But there, are, but there is. And it's been an incredible journey to be a part of this organization. And I was lucky enough to be crowned Mrs. New York American 2021 in July 2021 and compete in Las Vegas for the national title of Mrs. American in November 2021. And I was very lucky and blessed and honored to place in the top 15 at the national pageant, which I am very proud of and could never do it without the support that I've received over the past year. Yeah. Well, let's hear about some of the support and I guess maybe some of the things that go into placing in a pageant or even entering a pageant or even having the guts to say, I'm going to go for this. Have you been involved in pageants previously? I was actually fortunate enough to have past pageant experience. Believe it or not, I started about 10 years ago in pageantry, but never thought I would ever compete in pageants because I grew up as a tomboy. I was a gymnast. So I was an athlete. I still consider myself an athlete at heart, but I the opportunity presented itself about 10 years ago to compete when I was a teenager. And the first time I ever met a title holder, I was in awe. I already have a type A personality. So when I saw her, I just was infatuated by her confidence, her ability to be so well-spoken and the way that she presented herself. And I just knew I had to be just like that. And when you ask what goes into competing in a pageant, yes, there's every different area of competition. So for this one that I competed in as a married woman, there is the swimsuit competition, evening gown, private interview, and on question with the judges. But at the end of the day, while you're preparing for every aspect of this competition, you are really just becoming the best version of yourself. And people always ask me all the time, how do you win a pageant? And the answer is just that you have to become the best version of yourself. You have to know who you are, know what you want to say, know what you're passionate about, and convince those judges that you're the best one for the job. Because at the end of the day, it's just the job interview. So 
that's that's what I would say. And, you know, it's been an incredible honor to just be a part of this pageant sisterhood for the past 10 years. It has certainly opened up so many doors. To just give you an idea, I was just on Channel 13 about two weeks ago now speaking about the 2022 Mrs. New York pageant. And I was contacted by somebody in our community recently asking me get to asking me to get involved with this event because she saw me on the news and I was just thinking today that would have never happened if I never took that leap of leap of faith to compete at Mrs. New York and then make myself available to these opportunities that this title can open up because doors will truthfully open up if you just put yourself out there and really take risks. And I'm really lucky that I had this opportunity this past year to do that. Yeah. We talked about the becoming the best version of yourself. I did a bodybuilding show a number of years ago and there's a, there's a, you know, whole physique component to that. There's not a, there's not a speaking component though. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's really a big difference. Right. So for me, it was just like, okay, well, how do you look? And then there's also like a kind of a pose down, right. Where you kind of get to show a little personality. Um, but like that in itself, I had to really push and challenge myself on a physical level, on a mental level to get to a place where I felt fit enough and strong enough and, and, and all of it to, to get up on a stage. But you took that to the next level, right? Cause there's the physical component, right? And then there's also the, the mental component. There's the, there's the why component as well. Why are you there, right? Why should you be considered for that? So I want to know, maybe dialing it back just a little bit. What was, other than just trying to be the best version of yourself, what, what spurred you to actually go for it? I think back to 10 years ago, my why has changed since then. It mm -hmm. always changes. So when I was a teen, I think my why was I just wanted to be that well-rounded individual to show girls at the time that they could break out of their shell, try something new and gain the same confidence that I think so many teens struggle with today. You know, I've spoken to uh, oh, thousands of teens across New York State over the past 10 years, just teaching them about goal setting, how to make positive choices, etc. And over the past two years or so, I've noticed a difference in the amount of the, the way that teens are today compared to maybe five years ago, they're struggling with so many different things. And at the time when I started 10 years ago, I think that's really what I wanted teens to see in me uh, when I first decided to compete in pageantry. And then a few years later, I was lucky to win the title of Miss Finger Lakes 2018, which is a part of the Miss America organization, which everybody is probably very familiar with. That year, I placed in the top 10 at Miss New York, which was incredible because Miss New York went on to win Miss America that year, which mm -hmm. was a pretty big deal. Yeah. And I think when I competed that that time when I was Miss Finger Lakes, my why was motivated by my platform, which was unlocking memories through music. My grandmother actually was diagnosed with Alzheimer's for eight years. It was a very devastating disease because at the time I was in middle school. And when you are looking to confide in your grandmother, for example, my grandmother was deteriorating because of this disease. And I didn't have that relationship that so many people long for. So I used my time as Miss Finger Lakes to really raise awareness for this disease that my grandmother was battling. And since I'm a flautist, I was able to impact the lives of those living with dementia by sharing the gift of music, by playing flute duets in memory care homes, and then partnering with local groups in the community to donate 
to date, hundreds of radios to memory care homes in our area. Um, and then this time around, when I competed in Mrs. New York, my focus shifted just a tad. You know, I was still involved with raising awareness for dementia, but at the end of the day, I was really focusing on women empowerment because I wanted the judges at Mrs. American to know that I can empower women at any age. You know, I think as married women, I think we kind of get set in our ways, right? You're a wife, you're maybe an employee, maybe you're a mom, and you're giving so much to everybody else, but oftentimes we forget to give to ourselves as women. And I really wanted to be that voice for women, and I really used my career as a talent manager, a recruiter, um, in layman's term, at Robert Half, to really advocate for women through Dress for Success, to show them that, yeah, you, you can go out there and get a job, and here's how, and let me teach you how, and let me show you how. Uh, so I think my why has changed over the past 10 years, but every single uh Every single why was purposeful. And after competing at Mrs. American, my why has changed again. Can you believe that? <laughs> but I think, but I think you know, this is the great thing about pageantry. It really helps you figure out who you are, what your passions are, passions are, and it really keeps you goal oriented and motivated to do bigger and better things that you ever thought were even capable. Well, and that, what that really makes me think of is as a part of that whole pageant process, right? You go in knowing that people are going to ask you questions about, well, why are you here? What's important to you? What what are you doing to make this world a better place, right? And I feel like if we were to ask those questions of most people out in the world, not very many people would be able to answer them very well. I think most people would kind of stumble for a little bit. Some people may be able to come up with something, but I think a lot of people would actually be stumped. People would just be like, huh, I keep saying those things are important, but what am I actually doing to do those things? And so I think just in being able to answer those questions, being a person that has a response to those deeper level questions, it, it causes you to grow. It causes you to change. It causes you to shift your focus. And I think it's so powerful that you that you did work with a lot of different age ranges, right? Working with teens, but then also working with those that, that have had dementia. So looking at one, one thing you said actually about the teens really kind of stirred me a little bit. As you mentioned, the teamwork that you've done, even the past five years, it feels like some of the challenges they're going through are are different or they're harder or they're more unique. I guess maybe help educate me or helps educate some of the listeners. What are some of the major challenges that teens are facing right now? Well, put yourself in their shoes, for example. Over the past two years, we all know what happened, COVID-19, we were all isolated. It affected us as adults. Can you only imagine how it affected somebody going into seventh grade? Their whole entitled, entire middle school experience was remote. Not only is that such a developmental time for teens academically, but also socially. So when I'm interacting with teens today, it's just a completely different experience than ever before. So to give you an example, I'm mentoring or coaching really this one teen one-on-one -on -one, and she's in going to be in 10th grade this year and she is so shy shyer than I would have ever expected anybody at that age to be. She's beautiful, confident, she's self-assured, but I think she really struggles with understanding where she fits in in school. And I think that's just because one, during that 
crucial time of social development, she was isolated from her peers. So now she's not sure where she fits in in school. She's not sure where she feels accepted. She's not into sports. She's even worried about what she should post on social media. So there's so many different things that these teens are feeling in terms of pressures internally at home, externally at school, even just the pressures that they put on themselves. And I think that's affecting them on the outside more so than I've ever seen before. And I really just hope to be that positive influence for them and just build them up. Because really, at the end of the day, we're all just looking for somebody to cheer cheer us on and believe in us. And I know that the mentors that I've had in my life were just so influential in helping me get where I am today. And I'm very blessed to be where I am today. So this is just a way for me to give back because people did it for me. I think that's so powerful. And maybe let's look back. What were some of the people that poured into you? Or what were some of the experiences that you had as a younger person that helped to kind of shape your mind frame, knowing that you wanted to be able to repay that, that you wanted to be able to give back? So listen to this. You'll never believe it because I'm very talkative. But when I went to St. John Fisher at the time, college, now it's St. John Fisher University. University. Yep. Yeah, yeah, it's a big change. But when I went to Fisher, I originally went to Fisher to become a pharmacist. Can you believe that? (laughs) (laughs) And I quickly realized after my first pharmacy seminar that that was not for me. (laughs) (laughs) So I remember I knew kind of going into freshman year, I was a little bit worried that that might not be for me. So I decided to sign up for a communications class at the same time. And I'm going to drop some names here, but it's just the truth. So my communications professor, her name is Julia Frano. Her father is actually the football coach at Fisher, but she was incredible. I just adored her. And she, I walked up to her one day and I said, Professor Frano, I'm just not sure if I should be a pharmacist pursuing pharmacy. And she looked at me and she said, what? You're a pharmacy major? I would have never ever thought that. And I looked to her for guidance and she connected to, connected me to somebody named Tom Proietti. Many people are familiar with Tom Proietti. He basically started the communication program at Fisher, which I ended up becoming a media and communication major. So Tom Proietti and Julia Verano were so influential and pursuing and helping me push and develop my career in media and communications. And they're still available to me today. And if I didn't have that experience, I would have been completely a different person, have different experiences, different thoughts, perspectives. And then I think about my pageant career there. Pageant, if you do pageant coaching and you work with somebody one-on-one for coaching, it's extremely expensive. I pay it, but there are some people in your pageant career, everybody has one. They just, you just happen to have one that latch on to you and they almost act as your mentor for whatever reason. They see this spark in you and they just they just build you up and they kind of teach you the way because it's a, it's a completely different world. And I was really lucky to have somebody like that in my pageant career to really help me develop. And I'm, I'm fortunate because she was the reason why I was so successful at the time. And I, I now am a mentor for somebody as well that has won two national pageant titles. So it's just incredible to see and, and give back in that same way. What another thing you just said there is, you know, you've had, you had a few coaches, right. And in, in going through a few of those coaches, there was one that 
really ended up clicking. And I think that's maybe where people, I think, run into some challenges. They try something once or they hire one coach or they hire one person and like they do okay or it gets them, you know, maybe a little bit better, but it's not a tremendous experience, not a profound experience. And a lot of times people kind of kind of move on. Right. And that was actually, that was my experience with bodybuilding. I enjoyed it. It was fun. It pushed me to my limits in a lot of ways. Uh, but the coach that I had didn't like blow me away. He didn't like take me under his wing. You know, and at the same time, it was one of those, I wanted to be careful about getting too deeply involved in the bodybuilding community because the, just like any community, right? There's, there's the strong, healthy, good aspects of it, but then there's kind of the dark underside too. Um, and so I recognize some of the dark underside of bodybuilding. And a lot of it is just, body dysmorphia type stuff, people not really seeing that, okay, you're actually in really good shape. There's actually no fat there. You know what I mean? You feel like there's fat there, yeah. but there's not. Um, you know, so there was a lot of that. And so I was like, Ooh, you know, I don't, I don't, I gotta want to be careful. Right. But at the same time, finding and and having someone that is a coach and a mentor, you're right. Cause it's easy to find a coach, right. As you pay somebody mm -hmm. enough money, they'll be your coach. Right. But to have someone who actively wants to mentor you, that's, mm -hmm. I think that's a step in the, in the next level. So I guess, Talk me through going through coaches. What was that like? Everybody is different who you work with. And I think at the end of the day, you should diversify yourself and the coaches that you work with because one person only knows so much. Not to downplay this, a coach in particular, right? But only one person only has the experiences that they can talk to or speak to. So I think throughout my pageant career, specifically, I was able to work with one coach who was really helpful for this and then work with another coach who gave me a different perspective and then another coach who gave me a different perspective. So I would look to many different coaches for my growth and in different areas. And I think when I competed in pageantry, every system I competed in was different with every, with every title that I had won. So not every coach knows the ins and outs of Miss America and then not that same coach might know not know the ins and outs of Mrs. American right so I think you look to different coaches or I at least did to help me specifically with whatever goal I had in mind hmm. and I think that's important too is being able to recognize that maybe there's a coach for a certain season or a coach that knows something in this particular area. And on the flip side too, I think it's important for coaches to recognize that in themselves because there's coaches for everything now, right? There's, there's life coaches, health coaches, uh, you know, as well as pageant stuff and, and, and hyper-specific industry stuff. And I, I like a coach who who has a set time commitment. They have a set amount of time they want to work with somebody because eventually you're going to run out of your best stuff right? You're going to run out of your best experiences that you get to share. You're going to run out of your, your, your depth and your expertise. And at that point, it's good for everybody for that person to get the next coach, right? To, to move up to that next spot. Um, so looking to change the topic a little bit, I want to kind of go maybe back to pageant itself, right? What were the, what were the main areas of competition? I already forgot. There was, uh, there's evening gown, you, 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 mm -hmm. you know, you can go through them. Yep. No worries. So the first one, well, at least for this specific pageant. So when I competed in Mrs. American, their swimsuit, but typically the married women, di woman division just allows you to wear a one piece bathing suit. So I know that can, can intimidate some people. Um, so if you are considering competing, don't worry, it's just a one piece and then evening gown competition and then a private interview with judges, uh, which can be difficult because you only have four minutes to convince them that you're the one. And I always think of it this way. 
when you go on a date for the first time, you go and sit down and you try to prove to one person that you're a catch, right? Meanwhile, you have four minutes to convince a panel of five to six random people that you've never met before that they should pick you. That's hard. And then you also have an onstage question portion, which could be anything. You don't know what the onstage question is. And um, for Mrs. American, there really shouldn't be any political questions at that point, they don't ask political questions. It's really anything about what's on your resume, your family, your volunteer work, anything under the sun, just not political. So of those four pieces, which one to you was the most challenging or did you feel like you had to work the most for? Oh, geez, the most challenging. Well, I don't know that this this is really bad. I, I sound really conceited ta- saying this, but I don't really think one was harder than the other, only because I've been just doing this for a long time. I can say that some people do struggle the most with bathing suit just because typically people aren't in shape like that 24-7. But I feel very fortunate that, again, I grew up as a competitive gymnast, so I'm very, very athletic. And that was just something that came easy to me. And then I, you know, some people also struggle with interview because really you need to know yourself, know what you believe in and know your thoughts and being able to articulate that can be very difficult for somebody. But I'll, I'll put it to you this way. My friend at Mrs. American, you compete against all the different states. Well, Mrs. Rhode Island, her name is Marie. We talk almost every single day. And she said to me, yeah, she said to me, Diana, you know what? You remind me of a boxer. Because boxers don't always have to fight, but they're ready at the drop of a dime. And she's like, that's who you are, Diana. She goes, you are always ready for whatever opportunity will come at you. So when you ask me what is the most challenging for me, it's just I I try to keep myself ready all the time because you just never know what opportunity is going to present itself. And and I always feel like I want to be ready. That's the type A personality in me. Right. (laughs) No, and that makes so much sense, right? Is you're you're ready physically, you're ready mentally, right? You've got you've got your why nailed down. And I think it's cool too that your why has continued to shift and change, right? Because as people, we get to grow and change as well, right? We're no longer teenagers, right? Uh you know, no longer single, right? Married, right? All these priorities kind of change over time. Exactly. Um, and you mentioned opportunities. And I think anytime that you put yourself out there in a big way, like a pageant and, and especially winning a pageant, right? You become like, you just get this extra prestige, you get these extra honors, but then it, it matters a lot what you do with it. Right. Mm-hmm. And I want to hear maybe a little bit about some of the opportunities that have opened up for you because of placing in this competition. Absolutely. I, I'm very humble if you get to know me. So um, this is hard. I'm asking to you to brag. About. I'm asking you to brag. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> So I'll put it to you this way, okay? I, when I was Miss Finger Lakes 2018, when I competed in Miss America, I was sitting in a lawn chair in Las Vegas. I have family that lives in Las Vegas. I had just graduated college. I was getting ready to compete in Miss, at Miss New York in June. And I got an email from somebody at the Alzheimer's Association. And just just put this into perspective. I had volunteered with the Alzheimer's Association previously. They had saw me on the news with my radio donation program, and they had reached out to me and asked me to see how I wanted to get involved. And I was like, okay, right? And I was on the news originally because of my work with 
um, my involvement in pageantry. So not only did it open up volunteer opportunities with the Alzheimer's Association back in 2018, but they had reached out to me when I was sitting in that lawn chair in Las Vegas and offered me a job. So <laughs> it's just, you don't, like, I, I was on the news for my own volunteer work that I was motivated to do because of my involvement as Miss Finger Lakes. They reached out to me to get me involved to volunteer more and then offered me a job. So I think number one, you just meet people, your network is expanding, opportunities just open up. I think people look at individuals who hold a title and when they see the crown and then when they see the sash, it's just like, wow, you know, what does she have to say? How can I get a little piece of her and bring it to my organization, right? And then when I was Mrs. New York, um, <laughs> doors just opened. And I don't mean that in a bad way, but, you know, the event that we met at, which was the grand opening for Planet Fitness, sure, I'm very athletic. So that was right up my alley. It's an event I wanted to support. But this individual just, saw me in the community and they wanted to invite me to the event. So I would have never been in the community if I wasn't Mrs. New York. And this is maybe a little bit premature, but I was saw on the news by a development director in the community. And she reached out to me and said, I want you to support my events. I know you're not Mrs. New York anymore, but I want you to support my event. And that just happened today. <laughs> so you just never know what's going to happen. And I think at the end of the day, you have to put yourself out there as a title holder, because if you win a title and you just sit at home and that crown and sash sits in a box or on a shelf for the whole year, you've done nothing. You've, you've done, you've made no purpose of this honor that you've been given. And regardless of what title I've had, I've really, really tried to make an impact and make the most of my year to put to make sure that I earned every single rhinestone in that crown. Mm -hmm. And because I took that risk and put myself out there, that's how doors open up. And people just somehow listen when they see a crown and sash more so than they ever would without one. No, that's so true, right? Um, you know, I actually, I remember I asked for some autographed copies of, uh, <laughs> of your photos. I give them to my daughters. I'm like, look, kids, you could be a princess too. Yeah, um, but the thing is, though, Andrew, I am so humble about it hmm. that I want people to get to know me before they know me as Mrs. New York, for example, because I'll, I'll give you an example. When I was Miss Finger Lakes, I was at an event, volunteering at an event at an award show here in, in the Finger Lakes area. And the organizer of the event came up to me and said, I can't even believe that you have a personality. Because they, yeah, pageantry has stereotypes that they didn't, they didn't think that I could speak. They didn't think that I had a mind of my own. Right. And that's one of the reasons why I really, really try to be so welcoming, um, approachable, relatable as a title holder. So when people approach me and ask me for an autograph or a card, I'm flattered, but in their eyes, it's like a huge deal. But I just think I'm, just like everybody else, right? And I think that's what title holders should be. So mm, I love that. Now let's talk about title holder, right? Because I think mm -hmm. you just helped crown the 2022 title holder. Um, are you no longer Mrs. New York American? Like, how does that work now? 
Yeah, so I am no longer the current Mrs. New York. I will always be Mrs. New York American 2021, but obviously the next Mrs. New York, so Mrs. New York 2022, she will compete in Las Vegas, just like I did last year, for Mrs. American 2022. If she does win, she will go on to compete at Mrs. World. And that's a big deal. So when I competed at Mrs. American, actually the the woman who won Mrs. American 2021, her name is Shaylin. She actually went on and she won Mrs. World. So really, really, really cool that somebody from our class went on to win a, you know, an international title like that. But yeah, I really wish this year's class a lot of luck. They're on a plane in a week and a half to Vegas, really quick turnaround. So we'll see how they do. That's super exciting. Now, are you still allowed to show up at events and stuff wearing a crown and sash or how does that work? There is this rule in pageantry (laughs) that when you give up your title, that's it. Mm -hmm. So if I were to go to an event and volunteer, I would never voluntarily wear my crown and wear my sash. You can always bring it and hold it, but if you were to put it on, it's just not it's just not appropriate. Um, but you can always, oftentimes if you're not a current title holder, you can wear your sash at events. Like if you're going to be taking a photo or something with other title holders, you can just throw it on, but it's just not appropriate to be representing it when you're not the current. It's just that unwritten rule. And you also do sign a contract. And I'm pretty sure that if I look back at my contract, it would say that I can't represent it afterwards yeah. as well. So it's just that fine line. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. Well, because you, you, you want to give, you want to seed the stage now to this new person to let them take advantage of that, exactly. that opportunity they've been gifted. Yeah. Oh my goodness. I love that. So for those who are, maybe, maybe let's talk about the married women out in the audience that like, what does it take to get on that stage? Right. Who, who is capable of this? Do you have to have done pageants before, or is this really, can anybody do this? Anybody can do it. And I know if you're a married woman sitting there thinking, yeah, right. But I say, why not? Because again, I think we invest in so many other things that sometimes we forget to invest in ourselves. And it's, again, you're becoming the best best version of yourself. So why not? Who wouldn't want to do that? And the other thing too is this is a journey you should be taking with your family and with your husband. So if you love your husband and you love your family, which I'm sure any married woman does, then this would be a great opportunity for you. Because I think about my husband and I, Um, We traveled the state together. We had experiences that we wouldn't have had before. And that's incredible. The other thing, too, is at nationals, my husband, all husbands are invited to come and they walk you across stage to introduce yourself. And my husband is actually active duty military. So he was able to wear his blues, his uniform and walk me across stage. And that was so exciting for me. I was so proud to walk across stage with him. So there are just moments that you won't ever get in normal life as a married woman. And I think if anybody's interested, I'm more happy to guide them and help them. I think you'd be surprised at how ready you probably are, even if you've never had pageant experience. Again, it's just knowing who you are, knowing what you stand for. And if you have something that you want people to hear and you want to say, then this is a platform for you. Mm, I love that. Looking at 
you without crown, without sash, kind of like you said, you know, I want people to know me not as, as that. Let's get to know you a little bit better. What's, what's maybe a, a situation in your life or an opportunity that you've had where you've seen some of the most growth as a person, where you've gotten to grow and change the most? I think every piece of adversity I've had has allowed me to grow. I think even back as a child, my parents are divorced. They've been divorced since I was two. And I was forced to grow up very, very, very quickly because my dad has was not and has not and probably will never be in the picture, unfortunately. So I think something like that has really, really molded me for who I am as an individual. You know, I wouldn't be that type A, strong-headed, I have something to say type of woman if he was here. And my roommate at Mrs. America, she is Mrs. Illinois. And Elisa said to me, Diana, you're an old soul. And I have to credit that to just my dad's absence. And I'm totally fine with it because it's shaped me for who I am. So I think that big adversity has really helped. And then I think just throughout life, we experience things here or there. Whenever we hear the word no, that motivates me to say, okay, you're going to tell me no, if I want to do this. Okay, well, then I'm going to work harder so I can make that happen. So I think all little adversities, whether big or small, has really shaped me to be this strong, goal-oriented, motivated woman. But I think at the end of the day, that can be kind of intimidating for people. I've, I've realized that and been, have been told that. But at the end of the day, I think my experience with my dad and just maybe being an outcast a little bit when I was growing up showed me what compassion is. And I think you just never know what people are experiencing, what their story is. And I have just a huge heart for people and getting to know them and respecting them for who they are. It's silly, but I was actually named after Princess Diana. And one of the things that, yeah, one of the things that she said was, I want to be the queen of people's hearts. And I truthfully believe, ironically not or not, I think that's who I am. You know, I just want to be known as a good person who people can approach and who people can confide in at the end of the day. And I hope I just motivate people to be the best version of themselves. Mm, I love that. Now, talk to me a little bit more. How about that? How that ties into your professional work now? Right. So now you're a recruiter. Now you kind of work with people trying to connect them to their best opportunities or opportunities to the best candidates. I guess walk me through that. How do you feel like you fit there? Well, you just heard me say I love people and I want people to confide in me and I'm motivated by people. My first job out of college, again, was at the Alzheimer's Association. That's helping people. And then my volunteer work as a title holder is helping people. Right. And my job as a recruiter at Robert Hap is helping people find jobs. <laughs> you see a theme here, mm-hmm. right? So um, not only am I helping people find jobs, but you, I'm also helping them put food on the table, supporting their kids. But there's a bigger, bigger purpose here that I think I'm I'm helping people all across New York State achieve. And it's so rewarding when I get to pick up the phone and call Susie Q and tell her, oh my gosh, you just got the job. And on the other line, you hear her, oh my God, I got the job. And I kid you not, that happens. And how rewarding is that? And I think on a side note, I think that's really why I love the wheel of, or is it the wheel of, or uh, the price is right. 
because who doesn't love watching somebody win something, right? Mm -hmm. They freak out and you're like, oh my gosh, like, I guess I'm like the biggest hype girl, I guess maybe (laughs) just because it's so rewarding to watch other people achieve the things that they want to achieve and just being a small part of that success. And I guess that's maybe why I love mentoring people because you get to see them grow from the, I guess, the passion and wisdom that you pour into them. Let's talk about mentoring because I feel like a lot of people recognize mentoring is important. I think most people hopefully have had an opportunity to have a mentor, but I feel like sometimes people may not recognize that they can be a mentor or where to find people that are ready to be mentored. And so for, for those maybe sitting on the sidelines that are like, man, I, I feel like I've got all these resources. I feel like I've got, you know, picked up a couple scars, got a little bit of wisdom, you know, I'd, I'd love to just help somebody, you know? How can people start getting connected to those they can help? You just have to put yourself out there. If you want a mentor, I, I, I've been saying this throughout the whole entire podcast. If you if you want something to happen, then you need to put it out in the universe. I I always say on our team here at Robert Half, we always say we're going to manifest it. And I, it's, it's the truth. Like if you want something to happen then you have to manifest it. So if you want to be a mentor, you have to make yourself available for that. If you sit here and you don't make any changes, nothing else is going to change. So you have to do something, whether it's post on LinkedIn and say, here's what I have available. Maybe it's, you know, starting a podcast, maybe it's posting on social media. If you don't do anything different, the goals that you have for yourself will never come to fruition if you don't make a change. Now, if you're looking for a mentor, I think that maybe I've never looked actually for a mentor. They just happen to fall in my lap. But I think maybe just um, wherever you're looking to receive mentorship from, look in that specific area. So for me, for college, I was looking for mentorship with my career. So I looked to a professor. If I'm looking for mentorship in, since I'm an athlete, if I'm looking for a mentorship in athletics, maybe a personal trainer. So I think it's just knowing what your long-term goal is when you're seeking mentorship as well. And just, um, finding somebody that you can confide in and trust in who has your best interest in mind, because not everybody does, unfortunately. Yeah. I think that's probably been the most important thing that kind of separates being a kid from an adult is really understanding other people's motivations. Um, because not, not everybody is looking out for you. Not everybody has your interests at heart. Uh, and everyone comes in with their own agenda. And that, and that's just, that's human nature, right? We, we are self-centered because we live out of our own bodies, right? And it's important for us to be able to survive and to get the places that we need to. But at the end of the day, it's also important to recognize those people that, that can adopt you into their bubble, right? Those people that are able to step outside their own shoes, step outside their own needs and recognize the needs of others and, and share and give into those needs. Um, so we've, we've covered a ton today. Um, I mean, we, everything from, you know, playing flute for, for people that have been challenged with dementia all the way to the pageant life itself. You know, we've covered your career. We've covered some of the growth stuff that you've been through. I kind of want to see if there's any other pieces we can unpack. Cause I know every person's like a little onion, you know, we can, we can peel away another layer. So we've talked a lot about, uh, a lot about these things so far. What's a layer of the onion that you'd like to share about? What's something else that maybe you haven't gotten to talk about yet? Geez, you're putting me on the spot on a Friday like this. (laughs) Uh, Well, you know what? The one thing, and I shared this with you a little bit too, um, 
is I, w I would really like to touch on the national platform of the Mrs. America organization because I'm sure your audience is probably adults, right? Maybe yeah. I'm thinking so, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I share this with adults that I speak with all the time, especially when I'm mentoring teens. The national charity or platform of the Mrs. American organization is Victoria's Voice. You've never heard of Victoria's Voice as an adult and you're raising kids. I highly recommend that you check it out because Victoria's Voice advocates for drug safety, drug awareness, drug education, and the access to naloxone, which can reverse an overdose. To give you some background information, the organization was created by um, the Seagulls, David and Jackie Siegel. And they created it because their daughter, Victoria, actually had an overdose and she passed away. And to put this into perspective to you even more, Victoria is my age. So when we were graduating high school, Victoria actually passed away. And Victoria had a diary that she wrote in to document her struggles with addiction, um, anxiety, anorexia. And the diary, it was her wish to have it published. And her book, Victoria's Voice, is a book that I highly recommend adults read and sit down and talk to their teenagers about because at the end of the day, their goal is to save teens' lives. And as adults, it is our responsibility to mentor our children and be a positive example for them and invest in them and know what they're doing. And this book opens your eyes to experiences that you may not even know that your child is struggling with. And it's a database as well as a resource. And I highly, highly recommend that any of your listeners check it out. You can buy the book on Amazon and it's it's an easy read, but it's a heavy read and extremely empowering. So that's maybe something that I would like to, you know, everybody to know here. And I just also want to make myself available. If anybody is interested in pageantry or interested in a job, I can help people find jobs as well. I'm more than happy to do that. Or if there's any opportunities to get involved in my community, those are things that really make me happy. Again, I'm motivated by people. So I'd love to get involved as well. But I'm an open book and happy to support in any single way that I can. Yeah. What, what you were just talking about with uh, Victoria's Voice, I think, I think that's so important because drugs have been around. Right. <laughs> we, I remember I was in the D.A.R.E. program going through school, right? Drug yeah. abuse, resistance, education, you know, mm -hmm. all that good stuff. And, you know, the the fact that this is there, it's it's easy to ignore. Right. I think I think sex and drugs and all these other challenging situations, it's easier for parents to say, well, somebody else can talk to the kids about it. Mm -hmm. or so, somebody else can do it. And a lot of times there's nobody else that does. Right. Or someone just gets yeah. the general overview. There's no one that actually like a mentor or like someone that is watching over their shoulder steps in and says, hey, we need to have a conversation about this. Whether this is going on or not, we need to talk about this. Right. And I feel like social media and I feel like kind of like we talked about all these extra challenges that teens are facing now, I think it even bumps up the scariness factor that much more because coping mechanisms are always going to be there. And unfortunately, oftentimes kids learn coping mechanisms from the adults around them. And not every kid has um, adults around them that are, you know, aspirational, right? They don't have those people that are going to be able to inspire them and, and bring them up to the level they need to. And so as, as kids are learning, they, 
they need to be learning from their parents, right? They need to be learning as much as they can from you. So if you're a parent listening right now, um, check out that book, or at the very least, sit down for the hard conversation, right? Because it's in these hard conversations with people that change can happen, or at the very least, doors can open. An opportunity could be there, right? For that kid to know that, you know what? That was awkward that we just talked about that. Uh, it's not something that I'm involved in. Uh, but if I ever was, I know that I can talk about it now, right? I know, I know that that door has been yeah. kind of left open, right? That that I can kind of slip back in that way if I needed to. Yeah, that's that's 100% the truth. And I think that's part of the part of the problem. I was on the treadmill at the gym this morning and I saw... I. I think it was maybe Fox News was on the TV. A family was suing, I think it's now Meta, right? Which is really Mm -hmm. Instagram for their child now becoming anorexic because of, yeah. And I was like, wow, like how would that work actually? You know, Mm -hmm. how would that really work? You know, but these are real things. They're real concerns and they're perpetrated by many different outlets. So we're seeing it in real life. It's not just something that you, you hear it's, it's in the news. It's real. It's happening. Mm, Yes. So looking at summarizing, we've, we've hit a ton of stuff. We've touched on a lot of layers of the onion. Was there anything that you wanted to say in summary, maybe for those considering pageantry or for those that are maybe looking to to level up their life, what can you say that that's going to make a big impact on somebody? Two things. It was advice from my mom and advice from my mother-in-law. And I'll start with the advice that my mom gave me. And she always said, whatever you do, Diana, you always need to find your passion in life, whatever it is, find your passion. And I think for people listening, if you want to level up, you have to find your passion because you're never going to be motivated and dedicated to something that you're not passionate about. It's just the facts. So if you can find something that you're passionate about, whatever it may be, run with it and don't stop until you can accomplish whatever you're set out to accomplish. The thing that my mother-in-law told me is today, you know, today in society, we're all so focused on how hard can I work? Um, what can I achieve next? What can I do next? Like, how much money can I make? What's the next best thing in front of me? And throughout that, I think we experience this high burnout. So while you find your passion and you work really hard, this is the thing that my mother-in-law said to me, remember to give yourself grace because we can be so hard on ourselves. And I think being so hard on yourselves can lead to some of the negative things that we talked about today, right? So if you can just give yourself grace in life's most toughest moments, you can come out on top um, with whatever it may be. You know, maybe you're struggling and you want to have kids or you're not sure if you're ready. Give yourself some grace and know that you'll have that strength whenever you are supposed to be overcoming that battle or whenever you are granted that opportunity, you will have the grace to succeed. I love that. I love that. Diana, you've been amazing. If people oh, want to yes, if people <laughs> want to reach out, if they want to connect, what's the best way for people to find you? They can find me on social media, they can find me via email. So on social media, you can connect with me at Diana M Meyer, so D I A N A M M E Y E R. That's my Instagram handle. But if you want to send me a an email, you can always reach out to me at Diana Meyer 810 at gmail.com. If you're interested in a job, you can reach out to me at Diana period Meyer at Robert Half.com. Uh, you can find me on LinkedIn. You could 
probably find me anywhere. You know, to be honest with you, I just met somebody a few weeks ago and they said, wait a minute, I think my friend just sent me a picture of you from a parade you were in last week. And I was like, yeah, sounds about right. I'm sure many <laughs> people have my picture from all over the state at this point. So you could probably find me anywhere. Maybe your friend has a picture of me. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. I love it. Well, Diana, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you so much for having me. We'll talk to you soon. What's going on, Grow Getters? Thank you so much for tuning in. Make sure you hit subscribe. This is going to automatically download the newest episodes for you because let's be honest, you know this is your favorite show. It's also going to help this show get in front of more people. Subscribes are the biggest metric that they use in order to push this in front of a new audience. If you want to do me another huge favor, you can leave me a review. Let me know why you tune in. What's been intriguing for you lately? What have you been learning? In this most recent episode, what was something that stood out for you? Please leave that review. And thanks for being on this journey with me. Andrew hopes you have enjoyed this program.